Hello, hello to all my hairstylist friends. If you are behind the chair and you are not feeling 100% confident in your hair color skills, especially when it comes to formulation, if you find yourself struggling with brassy results and not being able to complete services that your clients are showing you photographs of, this is the place to be. Welcome to Ask the Color Expert. My name is Elaine Travis. I have been a colorist behind the chair for 33 years. 17 of those years, I've decided to specialize in hair color, and I am now teaching full-time to bring the latest and greatest to you, the busy hairstylist, to up your game in hair color. Hello, and welcome back to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Today's special guest is Christy Ogren. She is a salon owner in San Andrea, California, the owner of Images Salon that has been established for 18 years. It is a rental salon in California, and I cannot wait to talk to Christy about all things, first of all, California and (laughs) salon ownership and the rental situation. So welcome, Christy. Hi, thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Thanks for being here. So California, you guys really had got hit the worst, I think, in COVID as far as in the US. I know Australia has had an equally long um, closing. So first of all, major props to you that you're still standing. Um, You did not throw in the towel. There were over 100,000 people in our industry that left. There were probably 20,000 salons that closed. Uh-huh. just in these last two years. So it was really tough. Like the, this was, you know, if you were even thinking that it was all too much, this would have been the thing to push you over the edge. So wow. congratulations that you have the tenacity and the grit to, to hang in there as a salon owner myself. I understand how difficult it can be without a pandemic. Right. Um, so I can only imagine, and, you know, California has had fires and floods and mudslides and there's just been so many that it's one of my favorite places in the world by the way it's well, that's where I, I really wanted to move when we moved <laughs> to Florida I was begging to move to California um, but the difference really was financial um that was it you know right I I looked at a little salon it was for sale it was adorable it would just be me I thought I had found the dream come true. It was right on PCH in Laguna Beach. Like who oh, wouldn't want to work there? Right. But I started to, you know, the fantasy, I was always there on vacation. So right. I was doing things as a vacationer mm-hmm. and we went to dinner. My husband and I, we were ready to sign on the dotted line. Like we were all in and we went to dinner and I said, this is such an amazing, cute town. I love it so much. And, you know, do you think, with being from Pennsylvania that I'm going to be able to, um, you know, build a clientele easily enough. Like do enough people just come to get their hair done here? And the waiter was like, no, he's like, this, this is a total vacation summer town. So Mm -hmm. I was going to be buying a salon in what would be equivalent to my world at the Jersey shore, somewhere that people only go on the weekends or for a week. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. that would have been really not a good idea. And 
the housing prices were so astronomical that my husband's like, well, we're going to have to sleep in your little salon because <laughs> we're not going to be able to afford a home. So you're very blessed that you're able to live there and survive uh, financially. So when we first jumped on, you said that this was your parents' salon. So let me hear about that. I love hearing about that. Well, my mom had me super young. She went to cosmetology school, but never really did anything with it. And she ended up having a second family. So she was like in her mid forties, I want to say maybe 40 when she went back into it and she decided, well, I'm just going to work part-time. My kids are all grown up and probably I want to say within about a year, the owner got very, very sick, said, man, I'm done. I, I don't have much time. You can buy the salon and we're closing. And my mom was like, oh man. So she jumped in and she did it. Um, she's not a business person at all. You know, none of like us are. Of, no. <laughs> no, <hairdressers>. <laughs> I <laughs> say that and then I realized, but yeah, so she jumped in and she did it. And man, we really polished a turd. That place was so funky. It was really funky. You know, we're uh, San Andreas is really an old town, lots of historical buildings, kind of a ghost town. There's not a lot going here. Very, oh, very wow. low economy's funky here. So, um, yeah, we went and we went hard and I was living in Sacramento. I was an esthetician. I did not do hair. So I went in and I was going, I was commuting from Sacramento, which was like over an hour. Um, and we were just going for it. And then, um, the recession in 2008 hit and it was crickets for me. And my mom was still going, she was still moving and shaking. Our nail girl was moving and shaking and I'm sitting there sweeping and answering phones. So a little bit later, I decided to go and get my whole license. And that was so funky. I went when I was like 35, I was so a grown up. My actual background was in the business development side. I worked for a skincare company in San Francisco. So I was a sales rep. I did corporate training. I had the privilege of training the Sephora in uh, San Francisco when they brought in our teeny tiny little natural holistic line. It was nice. so cool. I love it. But I left all of that because um, it's just, you're constantly chasing the dollar. And there was, I was never done. And mm -hmm. I drank the Kool-Aid. I was a rock star at the top territory in the country a lot. And I just was tired and I burned out and I just didn't know how to recreate that. So then going back and deciding, well, skincare's out. I think I'm going to go and get my hair licensed. And uh, with the idea that I like training, and uh, I ended up doing it and I, and I fell in love with doing hair. I really did. So then I came and I worked in my mother's salon still kind of always had facial clients here and there, but um, yeah, my parents wanted to sell the salon to me about a hundred times. And I was like, no, no, thank you. Absolutely. No way. Absolutely not. You can't give it to me. <laughs> But um, back in 2000, I think 15, we had that horrible Butte fire and my parents' home burned. And mm. that's when they decided, hey, sign the lease or don't, man. And we had had people that had worked there with us for probably, I don't know, 10 years maybe at that point. Um, and we were one of the only salons in our teeny tiny community. And we're the salon that like the third generation mountain ranch, you know, surrounding areas, cattle ranchers, the whole nine yards, these little old ladies would come in and you you know how it is. You help them to the chair, you get their coffee, you help them to the shampoo bowl. You know, it's that kind of thing. And it was a lot of older clientele. So um, I, my heart was not there. 
my heart was not in it and I didn't want it, but I felt like I had to. So I did, and I've had it going ever since. I think that was, I don't know, we're pushing like seven years now. Wow. Your story is literally my daughter's story. <laughs> I bet. Everything but the fire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, I was in business for 25 years and had one of those Oprah moments of, you know, I want it. It was kind of like friends and Oprah where you want to, you want to go out on the top. You know, I had a lot of success. Oh, yeah. I had a great staff. I was fully booked. We were like the talk of the town, the best salon in the area, yada, yada. And I was like, I just want to go out this way, but couldn't figure out how to replace my income doing anything yeah. else. This is all I've ever known. So I was like, all right, I can't leave. I have to keep doing this, but I'm so bored and so stuck on the hamster wheel let me rebrand, remodel, rename. I re-reread everything to try to just re-inspire myself. And that's when we did all that stuff. And I still maintain the same staff. Now I think we're over 20 years that these girls are still with us. So we have a really awesome culture, great clientele. So I renamed, redid everything. And then I hit year 30 and I was like, still not loving doing it. Like no name, no rebrand, no decoration could make me re-inspired for what I was doing. And <clears throat> at the time, my daughter had graduated college from the beginning be be before she went off to college. I'm like, you sure you want to go to college? Cause you can have my salon. Like I will give it to you and I will work for you. Just pay me a hundred percent commission. And I'll be the happiest woman on earth because I always wanted to just do the thing. Yeah, do I, just the hair. I just want to do hair. I just want to do hair. Do hair. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to do hair and be left alone. So she was like, uh, -uh no, exactly like you No way. No, how you couldn't give it to me. No way. Goes to college, comes back, doesn't know what she wants to do starts managing a yoga studio. She has like 30 people that she's managing, all the schedules, all the front desk people, all the, you know, all of the things way more stressful than my salon. So I see her wearing all of this stress. And I said, you're doing all of this work for someone else's business when you could be doing it for your own business, taking over my business. The yoga studio is no different than the salon. A, a business is a business, whether right. it's a restaurant, a bowling alley, you know, whatever it is, it's tough. It's never right. easy. So I said, you're already doing all of these things. What is making you so anti the salon? Well, you've been complaining my whole entire life. All I've ever heard is I said, yeah, but that's, that's just hearing people be in business. You probably heard your parents and it wouldn't matter if your dad had a shoe store, you know, it's the same thing. So she's like, you're right. Well, then it was so, you know, it, the worlds collided at the same time. The yoga studio decided to go all online. So she would have been losing her position right. when I talked to her and I said, just try it. We're leaving. We're huh? moving. So yeah. Same as your parents. I'm like, it's Nothing either you it over or yeah. it's closing. And here are these amazing stylists that I don't want them to be displaced. I don't want them to lose that culture that took frankly, 25 years to get there with, you know, how the drama goes. So we, it took a long time to find that right fit staff. And I said, how, how sad to dissemble everyone just because I am the only one unhappy. Everybody else was fine. It was just me, but you know what they say, the fish stinks from the head down. So if I'm not happy, I'm coming in all grumpy with my face looking like I'm constipated every day, this grumpy, <laughs> scrunchy face. Yeah. And it was like contagious through the whole building. Well, she, like you, has done an amazing job. I can't tell you how proud I am of how she, at 
at such a young age, you know, she was 26 years old dealing with COVID protocol calls and filling out forms for all the financial things, the PPP and all these different initials. And I was like, frankly, if, if I were at the helm during that, that would have been it. It would have completely yeah. done me. In. Done. So mm-hmm. congratulations for, for surviving all of that. Cause it's not easy. So do you agree? Our industry is like COVID and, and not COVID just in the biggest changes that I've ever seen at my, by the way, your skin is beautiful. I'm not surprised <gasps> that you're you. an esthetician. That's the first, as soon as you came on the camera, I was like, wow, that is oh, some beautiful skin. So you didn't lose your touch on the, uh, on the skincare side. Oh, good, good. Yeah. I practice on myself all the time. Too many peels. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, I was listening to, I think last week's podcast, maybe it was the week before talking about how many salons have closed right now. I have to stop you there. Um, do not even think for five seconds, like every week I was like, God, I just want to walk away. I have a full clientele beautiful clientele, some new, some old, some fun, some boring. I have it all and they will follow me. I have a gorgeous property 10 minutes from my shop and I have everything I need to make a studio. Mm. And it's been like, I mean, we're doing that for sure, but I've had one foot out the door um, over and over again, much like you. If it was not for my people that work at that shop telling me we are going to continue to pay our rent because we want to come back to work. I have to give them credit for that. I cannot mm-hmm. give credit for that. Um, I'm not going to say that some of us didn't, you know, be naughty and go in the back door. I'm, you know, we'll just keep it at that. But um, yeah, so that's, that's why we're here. And, and staying open is more about other people than myself. So, you know, we'll put that away. Um, on another topic of, you know, what we're discussing here, California, I don't know if you've heard, but they are lowering the amount of hours you need to go in and take your state board test. I did hear that. Yeah, Yeah. I did hear that. Well, first I heard the whole, um, wages thing turned everything upside down. So that's when I say in the beginning of this podcast, you're getting killed. It seems like California is like, we don't want hairdressers. I mean, they're changing so so many things. It's crazy. Right. Right. Um, I don't, I sell personal retail maybe, but um, we're not a high retail salon. I have, okay. They're not a part of this whole forum. So I can say they're older ladies. They're old ladies. They are, they don't take credit cards, you know? So Mm -hmm. for me, they come to work. They literally, they're in their station. They'll mix their color. They have a couple of shelves. I mean, it's very, we've always worked together so well. They're really um, up to very recently. There was never any real drama. I mean, it was really pretty chill. So again, I am a, um, an exception to the rule. So yeah, absolutely. What, what I found interesting was the trend now, which frightens me, the lower hours in school doesn't frighten me as much as coming out of school and saying, I'm going right into a studio by myself. Yeah, There's, there's zero chance. I don't care if you are, you know, the smartest, most easily taught person on planet earth. There are so many people skills and emotional intelligence and things that you cannot possibly know in that short period of time in beauty school to be able to succeed behind a chair without making major mistakes on paying clients. So that's a whole other topic, but oh, yeah. um, 
everything is changing in that direction. And the, the sweet owners, what I found interesting during COVID is there's so many misaligned, um, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Like the, their title, as far as their taxes go, you know, oh, right. they, they think that, well, if I don't work, I don't pay. You know, I was laughing like during COVID, they're like, well, I shouldn't have to pay for my suite. And I'm like, honey, oh, no. No. what do you think salon owners no. have been doing all no. these years? We have to pay whether we have babies and are out of maternity, whether we have right. the flu, whether right. we have, God forbid, cancer and are going I'll to try that with your landlord. I'm yeah. going to have oh, I'm not going to pay rent next month. Yeah. yeah. No, but we, I, I did see it happening. Yeah. I did see yeah. it happening. I saw people saying, yeah, I'm giving my people forgiveness and I'm just so grateful that they're set. I'm like, Mm-mm. what is going on? This is not real business. This is not no. real life and it can't be sustained. You can't get a hall pass. I could see, you know, you have a one, one week free a year or something mm-hmm. like as a, you know, good deed to your people for being loyal. That's nice of you. I don't. Yeah. No, and it's not necessary, but I'm saying that's something, if anything, but it's like when you want to go into business, that's the risk of entrepreneurship. That's why not everyone does it because you don't get a paycheck when you don't physically produce. Exactly. Um, I have to be there to make money. I have to physically be there to make money. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Well, you know, um, yeah, this has been, it's been hard. I'm actually in a transition um, two of the older ladies have left and I'm kind of stoked. That's kind of cool. And I just uh, rented a room to a brand new esthetician and I have a brand new stylist coming on board out of school, um, at, after the first of the year. And, um, yeah, I'm a little nervous about that. It, that's, I, I don't know how to, how to take that other than, um, being able to help them. I'm really good with clientele. I'm really good with issues that arise and being super, super diplomatic and being able to be super professional, warm. I totally care, but no, that's not happening, you know? Um, so that's exciting. I jumped out of school into my mom's salon who was not a business owner. So I have a lot of really great qualities that a lot of hairdressers maybe don't have because they don't have my background or my experience in business development and whatnot, working with lots of people. But I joined on to to your training stuff because I knew there were holes in my technical abilities. I knew there were holes in my color. I am not super confident. I am an under promise over deliver and I'm scared to death. I mean, I have gotten to where I'm pretty comfortable and I, and I am really um, good at referring out. If I'm not feeling like that's my jam, I don't feel like I need to accomplish everything and be an expert everywhere. So as these new people are coming on board, um, I'm hemorrhaging money from the carotid artery because I only have one renter right now. Um, So as they're coming on board, they're brand new. And I've got these little babies in here and I need them to flourish and I need them to launch that. I need that. So, um, you know, but the education for me, uh, you know, I can train them in certain ways, but I'm very nervous about being the, the mom, so to speak over the color in the back room, you know, it scares me. So, um, yeah, we are unique in where we are right now. Well, I have an answer to everything that you just said. My little wheels are spinning as you're speaking. And this was, this was not, of course, not planned because you have no idea what I'm going to say. 
Um, So first of all, the fact that you have a new hire coming in and you are a salon that happens to rent, you're not a solo suite. There's a huge difference between that person coming out and being in a room with a closed door completely alone. So just from being around you, they're going to pick up those personal skills, those emotional intelligence, those consultation skills. So already it's completely different in that regard. Um, But to take the pressure off of you, I just, right before you and I got on, I just was meeting with Vivian McKinder and she's one of six people that I've reached out to saying our industry is so broken right now. And it's, Pre-COVID, COVID put yeah. the spotlight on it. It's been broken. Right. Um, there's such a disconnect in the education that we're receiving. So it's been burning a hole in my heart for a long time. I wake up with the idea. I go to bed with the idea. I can't shake the idea of taking that teaching and mentorship piece away from the pressure on the salon owner because mm-hmm. you have the gift of already being rental. But imagine if you were commissioned right now. So a commission owner, like my daughter, the pressure on them is they have to continue to provide, you know, um, motivation and education and just keep uplifting these stylists and filling them with everything they possibly can. And then the goal to the new stylist coming out of school is thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm taking all this with me when I leave to open my suite. And they're, they're coming right out and saying it on the interviews. Now they're like, Oh, I I just want to spend a year here. I want to soak everything up from you that I can so that I can go into a suite and take my clientele. Well, how does that make a salon owner feel? So I just cannot shake this idea that, you know, it shouldn't be on the salon owner anymore because most successful salons have an owner who produces the most behind the chair. So not only are they busy, busy, busy as you are, but they're also trying to train, trying to hire, trying to onboard, trying to do all these other things. So and there's only so much I have to give. I have four teenagers and a small little farm at the same time. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. We didn't even get into that. (laughs) What kind of farm? Animal farm? Plant farm? What's going on? I have some cows, I have chickens, I you know, dogs and cats, the huge, and I have four teenagers. So that right there should qualify me, (laughs) but it's a good, happy life. You know, my husband and I are both self-employed. He's a contractor. Um, so, you know, we make it work, but the point is I come home so depleted because I, I, I guess you could say, like, I would feel like I'm an empath. So my clients come in and like, uh, next Tuesday, I had a cut color person, one of my favorite clients. She's so sweet. Instead of cut and coloring her hair, we're going to shave it off because she's starting mm-hmm. chemo. You know, it's stuff like that. And I come home and I, and I love that I can do that and give that. But yes, there's only so much I can do. So yeah, we need help. We desperately need help. We need a, another resource that I can um, refer to some of these people that are coming in. Um, hopefully more are coming in, but yeah, I want them to launch, but there's only, like I said, so much I can do. Yeah. And for, for me being on the other end and providing that um, platform, the frustration mm-hmm. is, you know, out of 300 people that join my membership, the same 30 people show up in the Facebook group, show up Mm -hmm. in the coaching calls, 
Uh email me with their questions. They go all in. I watch their path and their journey. And I'm so proud of where they go from the beginning to the end of the year. It's measurable results. Where are the other 270 people? And I'll often say both here on the podcast or in my coffee chats or in my YouTubes, signing up is the easy part. Pulling out your credit card is the easy Mm -hmm. part. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But if you don't show up and you don't do the work and you don't try the things that you're learning and you're not open to learning, then I can't help you. You know, I can't tell you how many times someone has written to me and said, you know, have this client and she has this situation. And I try to have the person walk through with me instead of just providing an answer. It's it's the whole Mm -hmm. teach a man to fish theory. Right. Right. So I'll say, well, what, what are you thinking? And they'll say something. I'll say, well, think about what would happen if you did that. You know, this might happen. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. And we walk through the whole thing and I'm very excited about the outcome and I'll check in and say, Hey, how did that go with that client? And they'll say, not good. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh no, what did I do? You know, I automatically think it was yeah. something that I did. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, Who am I to teach? I led her down the wrong road. I need to turn in my license. I'm horrible. And I'll say, <laughs> I'll say, what did you do? And it'll be the total complete opposite of what we talked about. Okay. And I'll say, can you tell me why that? Well, that's just always the way that I've done it. And I'm like, I know, but isn't that the point? of joining and hiring somebody who's a mentor and a teacher to walk you down a different path. Yeah. You know, if if what you were doing worked, you wouldn't have signed up. So maybe trust in the process just once, you know, use one of your clients as a sacrificial lamb of trying something (laughs) and just see how it goes. And then once you see that it's okay, and I'll, I'll often say too, part the hair down the back and just trust me in the back. Just do what I'm asking you to do just in the back. And then when you're blowing out that client, part that hair apart and then look at the back and look at the front and see it would have been totally okay if you did the whole head that way. That's and the client's that's never going to see the back of the head. No, you know? That's a great idea. I love that idea. I'm doing that every day now. Yeah. Cause I know it's scary. I know if you've been doing something for, you know, what, what's a shame Christy is by the time people find me, they're 15 years in doing color that they weren't sure of. Right. So I'm really, and this whole mentorship thing that I'm teasing here is literally brand new within the last three days, not even launched yet because I need to work out the details because it's so difficult for me to connect with that new stylist that needs me the most because of the hip cool factor that doesn't, I'm all business. I'm all about do this, do this, do this. I don't want to have to shake my ass on TikTok to get your attention. I want to just give you the foundational things and I don't want to have to be cool in order to deliver it to you. So that's the big 2021, 2022 disconnect is, do I really have to go on TikTok and point and shake and shimmy just to get the point across? Um, So I'm counting on owners like you and other people out there that are so exhausted by, by the passing through train of people coming in, sucking all the information and leaving, let us do the information so that they're productive when they are with you. And then it doesn't sting as much if they do leave. Well, and it's, there's nothing more fun for me than to work with someone that I can bounce ideas off of too. Right. Um, I, I will, I don't ever want to stop learning. I've been at this 
it's a, I think it's 11 years now. And, um, and I'm happy that I've found this because I definitely feel more confident in my approach to a lot of different things. Now, my daughter, if all goes well, starts cosmetology school this next summer. And I told her, I, you know, I will always want you to work with me, but you need to go somewhere else and, yeah. and work behind the chair with other people check out what they're doing, get some information, um, you know, maybe make your mistakes at great clips or something. <laughs> but, you know, you, I just jumped right in to working for my mother. And I, that's a regret I have. I wish I would have started younger and I wish I would have apprenticed under someone. Um, so yes, I can, I'm here and I intend to put Morgan, my new girl and my daughter, off of my shoulders to have a launch forward. That's the way to do it. And yes, so I appreciate what you have to offer in a huge way. Thank you. It really is a passion project. You know, when I when I talked to Vivian, I said, it's important to me for this next project to be completely free to the student. Mm -hmm. Because what's happening is the student right out of beauty school has no extra ink. They can barely put gas in their tank to go from A to B to even get to work. So they have no extra money. And then they're turning to um, Instagram, TikTok, and all these platforms to get little bite-sized seconds of techniques that aren't showing the whole picture. So if you just take one little thing and you think that hair is going to look like that, you're in for a big surprise in the end, if you don't know the full thing. So I think the barrier of entry is keeping them from getting the proper education. And I think that if it does become too much of an expense to be able to be all volunteer to ask this of these mentors and myself and, and the all the tech and everything that's involved is expensive that I would like the burden to be on supply companies that we all support, you know, like we buy all these things from these hair color companies and we get like a free developer once every two months, you know what I mean? And it's like, we're padding their pockets and supporting them. And yeah, they'll send the the person out that does the product knowledge class that tells you the ingredients in your hair color tube and nobody cares. Nobody mm -hmm. wants to know. They want to know, how do I use it? How do mm -hmm. I turn someone who is, um, you know, may have colored their hair themselves during mm -hmm. COVID and it's level two and they used to be level six. How do I get them back there? Absolutely. Nobody's providing that. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. That's a scary one. Definitely. Or, you know, I had my box at my distributor um, place waiting for me because I was waiting for my 10% um, stylist appreciation discount. I'm like 10% cheese and crackers. Like it takes me over an hour <laughs> to drive there, Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, definitely. Um, I think that is a fantastic idea. Yeah. They're even starting to charge for the bags when you go oh, yeah. to the beauty supply. Oh now. my gosh. We've been doing that for a long time. Uh, yes. You know what? I did notice that in California, we went to, um, I think we went to target. We, we oh, were yeah. at a beautiful hotel and we wanted like a case of water and just like some snacks yeah. to have in the room. And we get to the checkout and we're, we're looking around. We're like, how we got this to our car? Like we were from PA. We're like, why, why are there no bags? Yeah. And everybody yeah. had theirs with them. And I was like, Oh, yeah. we, I mean, when you think about the waste, it is really crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose that, yeah, that's true. But um, yes, we started that. Oh, I don't know. I think a year or two ago and oh, the outrage now it's just, we just expect it everywhere. And, and isn't it amazing how in the salon industry, 
we're always so apologetic for every dollar we raise our prices or for charging a la carte, you know, we'll do this beautiful massage, um, conditioning treatment. That's worth every penny of $25 add on. And we're, I'm so sorry, you know, you don't have to get it every single time. And we're always like apologies, apologies. And every other industry just comes up with some crazy new charge and does it and doesn't apologize or feel bad about it. Yep. So it really is. Um, we are really behind when it comes to, yeah, you have to sanitize your hands when you walk in the store, but you also have to deposit a quarter. It, yeah, it's, it's crazy. And I am the worst offender at that. I'm so bad again, shame. <laughs> um, you know, today is a new day. Yesterday is gone. So I can, I don't ever have to be in the same place tomorrow. So I'm learning and I am growing and I'm breaking habits that I learned elsewhere. And I'm just me and I'm just doing my best to try to grow and move forward. And yes, I have raised some prices and I was pretty darn proud of myself. And I was surprised at how many people said, well, okay, um, sure. I was like, what? (laughs) Um, And I have a long way to go with that stuff, but I don't want to instill not great habits in brand new people that come to work with me. So I want to learn, but I would like them to learn as well. And from another source, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And it's nice to, to have, uh, I carefully selected all of the people that I'm bringing into this because they are experts in a certain topic. Mm -hmm. Um, I think sometimes you know, as, as a salon owner, when you're trying to mentor people, I know for me, there were things that were not strengths for me. And then mm-hmm. I'm trying to pass on to somebody else that yeah. I really am not that confident in. So I would be really um, strategic about where I sent my staff members because there was nothing worse than having them go to a manufacturer sponsored class. Um, there was one that that I took one of my new colorists to, and it was a color line we were using and we were using it with great success. And she hung on my every word. She listened to everything I said. She was being really successful behind the chair. And then we went to this class and they were like, oh, you know, make sure that you you run the color all the way through from roots to ends, permanent color. And she's looking at me like, I thought you said, Mm -hmm. I'm like, don't listen to that. Everything you're saying, I kept looking at her saying, don't do that. Forget that. Cross that out. Don't write that down. And I was like, this is emotionally draining. Why do I even have her here? So when you send people to all different sources, they're going to get all different opinions. And I think that's another negative of, you know, getting this information from all different sources on social media, because one person doing balayage says, hold the hair with really tight tension. The other one says, keep it really loose. Uh-huh. One person, when you're teasing there, one person says, you know, go really deep and start from the bottom. Other people say, uh-huh. just give it a little flick up top because you don't want it to get too, too tangled. And I see it myself and I have 35 years to discern uh-huh. what is true and what isn't, but someone new doesn't have that ability. So it's overwhelm of, of all of this information. Right. And then it's, I'm so confused. I'm not going to do any of it. I'm right. just going to stay stuck. Right. I've been there too. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And that's with like with balayage, a hundred different ways to do it. So I've just, I do it and I've gotten pretty darn good at it. 
Um, but I don't, I take a, you know, I take a little bit from this, a little bit from that, and I kind of make my own technique and I'm sure there's an easier, more streamlined way to do it, but I'm confused because I've heard, like you said, so many conflicting, um, different information. I'm proud of you for doing it because the longer you're in the industry, when something new comes along, I'll never forget when I first started freehand painting, it was like, I was learning to walk. I mean, that's how awkward it was. And I gave up. I came back from a class way, way ahead of all of this, you know, balayage. Nobody even talked about Nancy Brown was the only one doing it. Mm -hmm. I went and studied with her and I was like, I want to be the first. And I started doing it. And all my clients were like, oh, it's not light enough because it's really not meant to do, you know, from level five to level 500. Um, And we were trying to make it replace um, foil highlighting. And that's where all the confusion started. So now I see so many people advertising their balayage class. And Mm -hmm. in the intro for the class, they're foiling hair. And I'm like, that is not a balayage class. That is not a balayage class. So I know if I'm confused at this stage of the game, I can only imagine a new stylist. And what scares me is they're so all in with these TZ, lived in, air touch, all these funky um, techniques that they're completely ignoring basic gray coverage, basic foiling, um, basic corrective principles. They don't know how to do any of it. And then you see them attempt to do it with someone who's Insta famous showing them in 12 seconds on a video. And then they show this picture of a orange, black, and green head of hair that they've created. And they're like, what do I do? I'm like, well, you should have thought of that two years ago when you skipped over all the, all the stuff that you skipped over. Right. Right. So it's really, well, but I'm, I'm so excited for you to mold those new, um, new hires and give them your attention because it truly is a gift. And to your point, um, unfortunately, you know, everyone that I have trained, if they are still in the industry, every one of them owns their own business now. Like when they leave our salon, it's to blossom and go on their own. It's not because they're burned out and they gave up because Mm -hmm. they've gotten so much education. And I'm proud of that. I don't look at that as you left me, you're my competition. Like I'm so proud of that. And I think that the gift of of education and mentorship, well, while it may not line your pockets, um, you know, they might not hit it when they're with you. That's the most frustrating part. You pour your heart and soul into them and they just start paying you back financially. And then they're like, I'm out. I'm a superstar. It happens. So it's like right before your eyes, you're like, wait, you're not that cool yet. (laughs) But it's, you're proud of them, but you're like, oh crap, here it is. This is the moment when they're full of themselves. They, they don't need mommy anymore. Like I always like, was always like their mom figure. Yeah. And it's it's hard, but it's necessary for growth. So if you can have that mindset of, you know, outsourcing the hard stuff to me and to this program and to other people, nurturing them from being your true empath and nurturing them from a, um, a mentor, you know, someone to look up to standpoint, which is easier on you. And then you know, growing together and just, you know, I would always tell my new hires, please, if there's an issue, come and talk to me about it. Don't go down to the basement and talk to your coworkers and get all the drama brewing when they can't help you. Yeah. They're not going to be able to undo the drama the way that I am. If you tell me that Mm -hmm. a senior stylist is making you feel like crap and making you not want to come to work, I can fix that. 
Right. You can't fix that by telling another coworker because then it's just the drama train and everybody's, you know, chit-chatting about each other. It feeds and it, and then it bleeds out. You can feel it when you walk in. 100%. Clients can feel it when they walk into Mm -hmm. the space. Oh yeah, definitely. And that's something that a lot of people have said. They come to our salon from other salons for whatever reason, but that's one of the first things they say, oh my gosh, it feels so mellow and peaceful and calm in here. And, you know, you don't have the drama and, and, you know, again, like I said, I've been spoiled. I walked right into something that, um, we didn't have a lot of that. So I didn't really know what people were talking about, but, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's nice to be able to have that open communication and just being able to be direct and not taking everything so personally, you know, right. uh, that's one of the things I say with my clients too. I say, I, I am not the Lord Jesus. I cannot read your mind. I don't know. I'm not perfect. So if you don't tell me that there's an issue, I won't know. And then I don't know how to please you. And then you go home all the time. You're like, gosh, this one, I don't know why she does this thing with my bangs. I really hate it. I don't want to tell her. I want to hurt her feelings. Mm, I say, I love that. This is my, this is my thing I'm doing for you, but this is a collaborative effort. If you hate it, you need to tell me. I love that. Yeah. Somebody just wrote to me and said, you know, they're having a problem with retention and my answer surprised them. I said, ask the person, ask someone who hasn't come back. It's super uncomfortable. Oh yeah. And it really stings when they tell you the truth, but you need the truth because if you continue not asking, it's like being in a boat with a tiny hole in it, it's going to keep filling Mm -hmm. up and you're going to keep bailing the water out. But until you change your skill set, like there's some something, it could be as simple as, you know, the stylist could be um, a heavy smoker and mm-hmm. always smells like cigarettes and she's right. touching the client and they're grossed out and they don't want to hurt her feelings and tell her. And it could be as simple as that. Brush your teeth and wash your hands if you have a cigarette and then your clients yeah. will come back. Um, yeah. So for me, I always reached out and it was always so uncomfortable, but mm-hmm. I wanted to know, I didn't want that um, ghosting that goes on where, you know, someone you've been doing for five years, all of a sudden doesn't come back. Right. Something happened, something happened. Right. It's not just, she got bored. It's something major if it's been a long time. So I think we need to, to get comfortable with getting feedback and having the feedback after the initial sting, because you can't avoid the initial sting when it's something mm-hmm. like, oh, wow, I had no idea. You get right. your panties in a bunch, but if you, if you have the ability to change that behavior, you know, ask for the feedback and change the behavior versus how can I get new clients? You know, I always see these people desperate for the quick fix to the new clients. The quick fix is be so good that you don't need a new client. That's <laughs> my answer. You won't have to worry about how many, how many times a day you post and how many likes and, and how many TikTok videos because you're yes. making clients in your chair never want to leave you and never want to question the price. Yeah. I um, was feeling that um, recently, like, gosh, I don't do Instagram. Um, I don't really post a lot on Facebook. And honestly, when I take my before and after picture, I'm sorry, Charlie, go drink somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) What what kind of dog is Charlie? We don't know. He's just an awesome dog. He was a, he was a, he was a mutt. He's a mutt baby. But they make the best. He's wonderful. Um, but he's just thirsty at the wrong time. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. I think I lost my turn of thought. 
to happen. Um, you said you don't really post a lot on Instagram. Oh, right. Yes. Thank you. Um, I am really fortunate. A lot of my clientele is word of mouth and I get referrals from people and I'm really fortunate to have that. Um, so now in this day and age, every once in a blue moon, someone will say, well, Hey, do you have a place where you post your work? And I'm like, honestly, no, I don't. Um, and I don't know if that's a bad thing. I'm not, I want to stay doing what I'm doing. I love what I do. I feel like I'm really comfortable with the size of my clientele. I can definitely still have a little bit of a life. Um, but I don't do a lot of that. And, but now with new girls coming on board, I'm feeling the pressure that I have to do something and I just don't want to. <laughs> Honestly, I don't blame you at all. And I feel the same way. What I would recommend is rather than worry about being, you know, posting every day before and afters and being super active on social, I would invest in a one page website that mm -hmm. has just your things you're the most proud of and update it once a year. Okay. You know what I mean? So it's somewhere to land for someone right. who is looking for you and just send them there where they can look at your work. And I would have an iPad in the salon huh? and have a, a lookbook in the iPad of actual oh, work that's yours and not just, you know, Jennifer Aniston and, right. and all the people that clients ask for, but have your work in the iPad so that you can say, this is, this is brunettes that I've done. This is redheads. This is blondes. Like have your own little lookbook going. Well, for and so for these new girls coming on board, you know, that want to do an Instagram thing. I mean, I'm, I'm encouraging them go for it. Totally go for it. I mean, you work here, but you're your own business. Yeah. So um, yeah, well, good. Then I don't feel so bad. Yeah. No, I, I wouldn't worry about it because to your point, your work is speaking for itself and word of mouth is always, I've been doing this 35 years We've never paid for advertising in yeah, 35 years. Yeah, me either. Me it's either. Always, our clients look so great when they leave the salon that yeah. all they have to do is go to the grocery store on their way home or go to Starbucks and grab a coffee <laughs> and we have three brand new clients. So <laughs> spend the money on your skill set and spend the money on education and don't worry about being so fabulous on um, social media because what I'm seeing, and this is- Highlight. This isn't everybody. This isn't, you know, this is a very blanket statement, but what I'm seeing happen is that the newer, younger stylists are so good at social media and photo taking and editing and making things look better than they are, that they are attracting a ton of new business from social media, but they are not retaining those clients because their right, skills because it's not real. doesn't match the photo. Mm -hmm. It's not real. Yeah. It's the highlight reels basically. Yeah. And I, again, like I said earlier, I'm an under promise over deliver. I don't want someone coming on board, thinking something of me that isn't true. Right. Um, you know, so that's, that's just where I live, but I appreciate that. That makes me feel better because I felt this horrible pressure. Like, okay, I've got to do this. I'm going to hire my kid. My kid does social media all the time. <laughs> and um, yeah, that's good. Yeah. I just fired my, um, social media person. Like I was paying someone to do it because I hate it as much as you. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at, I'm like, this is, this is not me. Every single picture is a picture of me. I'm like, why does she think that everybody wants to see a pic? This looks so <laughs> ego maniacal and narcissistic. I'm like, I hate this. This isn't right. my voice. This isn't how I talk. Like the, right. the one post she was like, when I have a bad day, I put on my earbuds and go for a run. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Do you know me at all? Like I've, if I'm running, someone's chasing me. 
<laughs> I'm running for my life. For my life. <laughs> this is not my voice and you need right. to go. So I'm completely, I, I hear you. I was feeling the pressure of being yeah. older in the industry and oh my gosh, I have to. I'm like, no, I don't. I provide really good education and the people that find me like you and yeah. the others in the membership, they appreciate me. They appreciate my style and they don't Absolutely. need me to perform for them on social media. So that well, you're more, that you're more relatable because it's more the, the actual uh, content instead of a lot of fluff. And that's what attracted me as well. Um, but yeah, definitely. I appreciate all that you do. I appreciate all of your snippets. I, I am in a space right now where I'm ready to launch some teenagers. And so I mm. wish I had more time to just dive into all of this stuff, but I find myself always just having that conflict. So I do as much as I can when I can in snippets of time and I'll be slower going through it for sure. But I intend to just keep learning and growing. Awesome. Thank you. Well, this has been a great chat. It was a pleasure speaking with you. And um, if you do have Instagram, what is your handle so people can support your, your you Instagram? I think I'm embarrassed. I think it's like K Minetry or something. I don't even know. Dude. <laughs> I just don't even know. Just don't even go there. Uh, I do Facebook. You know, I'm 47 and I understand that um, Facebook is for old people now from my kids. So whatever. I do Facebook. Awesome. And I'm Christy Ogren on Facebook. Awesome. Well, thank you <laughs> so I, much. And yeah, thank you everybody you for listening. We'll see you and on I the next one. It. All right. Awesome. Thank you for listening to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Please subscribe and be sure to leave a review. For more information on hair color education, please visit my website, www.expertcolorsolutions.com. See you soon.